I will be reading John 11, verses 1 through 7. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness is not in, to, not in, in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister, sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our journey together throughout these 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter has been an interesting journey so far. The passages we've explored together are helping to paint a picture of who Jesus is. In the first week of our series, we saw Jesus as the one who overcame temptation and Satan in the wilderness. Then we saw Jesus as the one who calls us out of darkness into light, just as he called Nicodemus from the darkness into the light. Two weeks ago, we saw Jesus break boundaries to save a Samaritan woman at the well, and in doing so, bring redemption and salvation to an entire city. Then last week, we saw Jesus as a healer who opened the eyes of the man born blind, giving him a story to share with the world about the power of Jesus. That story strikes me once more uh, in how that man's faith grew. First, he knew Jesus as just someone who had healed him, then a prophet, and then his Savior. We too have a story to share just like him. And my hope is that you're getting a fuller picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in our world. Healing, saving, breaking boundaries to reach us and calling us into the light. Overcoming the power of sin, temptation, and even Satan for us. This morning's text paints one of the most compelling pictures of who Jesus is to me. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to John chapter 11. We're going to be camping out um, here in this chapter, or open up um, your bulletin uh, to the scripture text there. Hear these words again from John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And her brother Lazarus was ill. Now one of the things you need to know about Mary and Martha and Lazarus is that they are some of Jesus' best friends. That's the image you get throughout the Gospels that Jesus uses Bethany in the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as sort of a, a station for ministry, a home base throughout his time. So the sisters, seeing that their brother was sick, sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, 
this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And when he arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now hold right there. Four days is important in this scripture. The Jews believe that on the third day, a person's spirit would leave their body. And on the fourth day, that's the day when decay would begin to set in. And so a person who had been dead four days, there is no hope for that person. There is no life to come. Lazarus was dead. And not just dead, but dead dead. Really dead. Four days dead. Martha had heard that Jesus was coming and she went and met him, which is like the most Martha thing to do, right? She's a busybody. She's always doing something. So she runs out to meet Jesus while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. You know, sometimes we read the scriptures and we read every voice in this sort of triumphant and conquering voice, right? I've heard the scripture text read before where Martha's words come out like this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. I think sometimes when we read scripture that way, we miss the depth of human emotion. We miss how Mary must have really felt. And we miss how sometimes we feel. I think Martha, when she ran to Jesus and spoke to him, she would have sounded more like this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus responds to her this way. He says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Sometime in the future, at the uh, end of all things, my brother will rise again at that general resurrection of the dead. But Jesus looks at her and he says this. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I love Jesus' response to Martha. Martha believes that one day God will resurrect his people and points to that hope over the horizon. She has this hope for eternal life for herself and for her brother that's sort of out there in the ether. Eternal life. It's something to be hoped for, something to be longed for, something to pray for. All too often, we believe like Martha, that eternal life is something that happens later on, something that happens in the distant future, something that happens after death. But Jesus turns the tables on Martha, and in doing so, he turns the tables on us. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me will never die. Now, friends, let me break it to you. Short of the rapture, 
everyone in this room is going to die. Surprise. Taxes are coming up too, by the way. We're all going to die. There is no escaping it. There's no getting around it. One day, every single one of us will pass on. But Jesus offers us something different than what the rest of life offers us. He offers us the opportunity to live through him. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. If you've come into contact with him, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, eternal life isn't something to be longed for or hoped for or to pray for. It's something that we ought to be living in right now. It's something that's available to us right here and right now. And because eternal life begins in the present and not in the future, you and I have the unique opportunity to live in the power and the presence of God right now. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, then eternal life is available to you and to me, to us all today. No more longing, no more hoping just living in to what we have been offered right here and right now. Listen to Martha's response. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then jump forward to verse 32 with me. When Mary, that's Martha's sister and Lazarus' sister, came to Jesus and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? So they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. And here in the midst of death and suffering, what we see is that we have a Savior who didn't just make a cameo appearance in our world, but a Savior who suffers with us. We realize that Christ didn't triumphantly go to the tomb, but was deeply moved and troubled in his spirit. For Lazarus, his friend, for Mary and for Martha, who he loved, and for the crowds that stood there and wept with them. Friends, our Savior sees us in our brokenness. When we have no words to speak, but God, if you'd have been here, things would have been different. Our Savior sees us. Jesus is so troubled and so upset that John tells us explicitly that Jesus wept. Now, I know all of us in here at some point in our life have traded that verse for a Jolly Rancher or for a piece of candy in Sunday school. It's okay, choir, you can laugh at that. I know I have, more than once probably. But if we just recognize Jesus wept as the shortest verse in the scriptures, we miss out on what that verse actually tells us. It tells us that our God sees us that our God cares for us, that our God has compassion for us. Jesus wept with the sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus wept for the crowd gathered at the tomb. Jesus wept for the loss of his friend. Jesus wept 
It's the shortest verse in the Bible, perhaps the most poignant because it shows the depth of Jesus' humanity. How he loved, how he grieved, how he wept for Lazarus. Because of one simple verse, we see that Christ weeps for his friends, weeps for his children, weeps for those who love him, weeps for those who despise him, weeps for those who reject him, and weeps for those that have never heard his name. God cries with us and for us because of how deeply he loves us. Jesus has compassion for the crowds and for Mary and for Martha. And he has compassion for us as well. So he comes to us because of our deep need for salvation and for healing, for salvation and for redemption. And as Jesus is standing there before the tomb, weeping with the crowds, people begin to mutter. This is verse 37. But some said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Couldn't he have done something? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for four days. He's not just dead, Jesus, but he's rotten. You don't want to do this. You can't go in there. You're going to be defiled. We're going to be defiled. We can't have this happen. You don't want to embarrass us, Jesus. These people don't believe anyone can come back from the dead. It's too late for Lazarus. He's just dead, really, really dead. What could you possibly do now, Jesus? And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but... I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloths and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Jesus calls Lazarus from death to life, calls him out from the grave, a grave that he's been in for a while, four whole days. He's been in that tomb, in the darkness, in the cold, by himself. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know that there are at least a few Lazaruses among us today. Some of you have been going through the motions of life, but the truth is, the truth is, you're four days dead in your grave. You have some hope like Martha for eternal life sometime in the future when you inherit a cloud and a harp. But you don't believe that anyone could ever understand or would ever care about the pain that you're in, the things that you've been through, or the circumstances of your life today. You think that you're too far gone or that you're not good enough. The truth is some of you are dead in your addictions We're dead in our sin. 
You're in dead relationships or you have dead actions and attitudes that keep showing up again and again and you feel like there is no way out for you. If that's you, I want you to meet my Savior, Jesus, because he is greater than you could ever imagine. Yes, he heals the blind and yes, he cures the sick, but he also weeps with us and for us. And he knows our pain because he suffered and he died for us. He's the one who meets us in our graves and calls us from darkness into light, from death into life, and out of sin to repentance, salvation, and redemption. Friends, you are invited to leave your death behind, to leave your sin and your shame behind and to come back to life. No, to have the life that truly is life that can only be found in Jesus. Just take off those grave clothes and live again in him. Friends, Jesus is standing at your tomb today filled with compassion, offering you salvation and a new life. The question is, will you come out of that place and respond to his offer of grace and new life by coming back to him? If you want to leave your old life behind, if you want to leave your old sin behind, Jesus stands ready to save. All you have to do is respond. All you have to do is say yes to his offer of new salvation and new life, then come on out of that grave. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you call us from death to life. And God, I know that there are many of us in this room today who are scared of what that might mean to come out of the graves that we found ourselves in. We worry, God, that you wouldn't accept us that you wouldn't love us, but you remind us again and again in your scriptures that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. So we pray today, God, that we would have the courage to hear your voice and to take hold of eternal life that begins right here and right now. Help us to be your people. Help us to shed these grave clothes and find resurrection and new life with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.